Namaskar. Good evening. Welcome to the second episode of our SNRC podcast, Would You Go Back? A series of conversations with medical immigrants who leave their country to study, live and work in another part of the world. Post-pandemic, how do they perceive the homeland? Is there an immigrant's guilt? What do they think? If given the option, would they go back? Today we have with us Dr. Shrikirti Kodali, a neurology registrar based in London. She says she's not a typical medical immigrant. Let's hear her story and why she says that. And if given a choice, would she go back? Good evening, Dr. Kodali. Thank you so much for having made the time for us today after your extensive workout at the gym. I'm looking forward to speaking to you and what you have to say about your story. Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> well, it's a privilege to be number two on your uh, podcast series. Yes, you are my second guest and I'm looking forward to speaking with you. When we, when we spoke about the idea, you said that you are not a typical medical immigrant. Tell me why you said that and uh, a little bit about how you ended up studying medicine in the UK. I wouldn't really call myself an immigrant because you could I could be um part of the second generation of Indians as you know as one might call them um but I've had an interesting childhood in that I've spent an equal amount of time uh in the UK and in India um so you could say I I'm emotionally more attached than most other second generation Indians in the UK um, and I understand the culture and I have a number of friends and family there that I go to visit often. The thing that brought me to the UK was my parents. Um, I'm the only child so I didn't have a choice um, but to live with them. I had a very glamorous life with my grandparents, uh, a lot to do with my day, uh, too many events and things to go to. Life was very fruitful in India Around the time when I was entering secondary school, my parents wanted me to be here um, and they felt I needed a bit more stability in my education. That certainly does sound like a very exciting childhood, being able to live essentially between your grandparents in India and coming to UK often. So when you did move to the UK, how was that shift? How did that feel? I studied in a school called King Edward School in Bath. And that's where I did my GCSEs and A-levels. And I happened to be the only brown person in addition to another Patel family who um, took the train all the way from Swindon to come to Bath. Um, There was a pretty Caucasian-dominated environment. Not that I ever felt different um, or seen differently. Uh, um, I, I just got used to that from a very young age and of course when I started uh, studying in Cambridge it was a similar sort of environment except you had societies and clubs like the India Society which kept me connected to my culture. What feels like home? Is it India or is it the UK? Quite di- it's a difficult question to answer I think especially it in is. my case. I think it's difficult um, for everyone and in your case slightly more so because I think you're slightly more intertwined as you said you're, mm-hmm. you're not first generation you're probably 1.5 you're not necessarily a second generation migrant you're 1.5 and I think that doesn't Um, make it any easier professionally I would say the UK is my home and with the benefit of hindsight 
if you were given the option of pursuing medical school and education in India, would you have done that? Did you think about these things when you came to the UK? So I had to make, I felt like I had to make that choice when I was 12 or 13. I probably didn't have the maturity to think about my um, uh, my professional goals. We are in conversation with Dr. Shrikirti Kodali, a neurology registrar based in London, having spent much of her childhood in India. How has the pandemic affected her? Has the pandemic changed the way she perceives India today? The last year and a half hasn't been easy. And I'm sorry you lost your grandfather and it's not been easy. And I'm sure the distance, the isolation, I think we've all discussed this, not being able to go home as often as we want or go and visit the people we love. Has that changed your notion of this 1.5 identity that you have today? What? will probably affect this 1.5 notion will be uh, losing one of my grandparents, um, which essentially removes one a, uh, a very strong bond um, that I would have with India. Um, but equally, I, I, I don't think that would mean I would visit less. Um, and I'd quite like my grandpa- grandmother to continue to stay in India so I could go and uh, see her just like I used to. It's said that wherever in the world an Indian goes, they create a mini India around them. What part of India do you carry with you? There is a part of me that identifies with India. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from family and relationships and um, sort of the bonds I have with the people there. Yeah. Uh, more, more than necessarily the culture. I think the culture is something that subconsciously maybe, maybe you can see. So the UK has obviously given you a lot of opportunities as part of your medical education and your career. What do you think are the sort of main things to keep in mind um, as you sort of embark on a medical career, if you want to be a clinical academic. And in your case particularly, do you think you would be able to recreate this in India? Would you have the same work-life balance should you have been doing this in Hyderabad? That sort of boils down to the three pillars, doesn't it? Um, Research, education, and clinical work. I think that fundamentally comes down to um, time, and uh, and how you distribute your 24 hours or your or your or your working days between um, spending time in the hospital in our case and how much time you have outside of that to to do other things. I can't see myself having that work life balance in uh, in India because mm-hmm. it might mean that I have to physically be in a hospital setting for much longer than I have to here. Um, and I mean I I like. I like to be creative. I like to be um, innovative. I like new ideas, and I like taking my ideas forwards into whatever projects um, in my profession. And I feel, I feel that that might not have been possible if I um, if I stayed on in India. Comparing UK and India, if you had to see what facets of your 
educational experience would have been different had you stayed there or what options are different should you consider going back today what would be your thoughts i've had a much um broader exposure to many different facets of being a doctor here than i probably would have had in india i guess um one thing that we should probably mention is the amount of exposure that you have here um comes from having uh, a wealth of resources so that could be in the form of uh, financial resources uh, infrastructure or um uh, which ultimately as a byproduct uh, um would manifest as time so i think that balance fundamentally um doesn't exist in india because of the lack of resources change is happening india is moving on and the quality of medical education and some of the higher engineering technology institutes in india is nothing less than world class what would be your vision to see changes in the next few years in india as you go forward in your career but what i'd like to see over the next 10 to 15 years is yes collaborations are great but it would it would be really nice to see um a shift uh from uk or international or western based um uh research organizations making collaborations with india um where the base is a place like the uk or usa to a an india based project that's reaching out for collaborations elsewhere and and i think that's the shift that i mean maybe it's not just applicable to you know medical research i mean that's the shift um you want to see in all aspects to do with science and technology shifting gears and talking about personal lives and personal decisions as medical professionals it is very often that our personal lives pay the cost for our aspirations and our ambitions in our career it's not been easy for you tell us a little bit about what you think the challenges of being a medical immigrant have posed on your personal life Okay so I'm going to give you a very unusual answer to this because I feel like I'm um an outlier. I'm married to someone who I went to school with when I was very young in India. So I was in primary school and spent a fraction of my secondary school with him in the same class. We obviously weren't in a relationship then. Um but uh we we were just acquaintances and It just so happened that when I was in India um to spend my Christmas holiday someone some you know uh friend of mine was organizing a reunion and um and we went then after many years and started talking um so my relationship started as a long distance relationship me being in Cambridge and Viraj being um in Rajasthan um in the middle of the desert But how does how does this fit into the 1.5 medical immigrant? Do you think if you were not the 1.5 medical immigrant, would this story have been easier? I I don't see yes, I mean it was it was hard in certain ways, but um we we I think we both knew that it's it's a very unusual situation to be in, but we were equally committed, so we somehow had to play along with it. And for the both of us you know developing our careers uh, our you know um our, our profession 
were important. I wasn't going to step back and neither was he. And I don't think I would have wanted any one of us to step back. So we somehow had to make it work, um, which meant that we were apart for many, many years, maybe six or seven or eight, actually. I've lost count now. That is almost out of a Bollywood script, Shri. But kudos to the both of you. And I think two phrases that you used over there, the dedication and commitment to make it happen. And the second, it just so happened, that serendipity element of life. I think these are two very important aspects of our decisions, especially as medical professionals going forward. And once again, congratulations on the PhD that you've just started. And uh, with everything else that's been happening over the last year, I know you've been very busy with all your applications. And tell us a little bit about how that worked out and if you were giving advice to somebody embarking on that journey of trying to find the perfect PhD, what suggestions would you have? I, I always knew I was interested in research. I uh, did some research before, so I was, you know, I was accustomed to a research environment. I knew how academics worked, and I started off talking to a number of clinical academics to try and picture myself um, in, in their place 10 to 15 years down the line. So that's, I guess that's the first question. Would you like to do research or would you not like to, like to do research? I guess the second question that you should probably ask yourself is what, what, what are your research interests? For me, again, this came from my previous research experience in um, basic science animal models of remyelination. So it has an MS multiple sclerosis slant to it. Now that I'm training in clinical neurology, I couldn't see myself going back to a basic science lab, but I was still interested in that theme of research, which translated to multiple sclerosis and understanding the pathobiology further and um, developing biomarkers, tools to help diagnose and also contribute um, to the field in some way or the other. And now that you're going to be in London, you'll probably have many more opportunities to have chance encounters with people like Shashi Tharoor. I remember your meeting with him and he and he said something to you. What exactly did he say? Remind me. I think he said something along the lines of, oh, uh, yes. So this was after he talked about the five books that shaped his life or inspired him. Um, right. He was in London. And um, I've read uh, one of Shashitoro's books, Inglorious Empire. So I suppose this this is probably my other connection with um, with India. I was very much... Um, I was brought up in in a family where previous generations uh, fought in the freedom struggle. So this um, this sort of nationalistic uh, you know feel always existed throughout my uh, throughout my childhood. Um, and naturally, you know, in, I, I would go out searching for um, you know my own facts. Um, and that's sort of how I got into Indian history, et cetera, et cetera, which I'm still very much passionate and interested in now. Um, so hence why uh, Shashi Tharoor's event, um, I went after my shift and um, I, I bought one of his books and I wanted it signed by him. Um, so he um, he's a very charming gentleman. And of course, he would make conversation with every one of the hundred people um, who've lined up to have their books signed. So he asked me, uh, what my name was and um, and what I was doing. So I said, I'm Shri. And he said, well, that's not 
like, it can't be Shri. Uh, what is your actual name? So I said, it's Shri Kirti uh, Kodali. Okay, South Indian. Oh, where are you from, et cetera. So that's how the conversation went. And the thing that I um, was really impressed about is no Indian has ever spelt my name correctly. So he, he spelt my name correctly. I was very impressed. It's these little punctuations in our life, which I think a place like London does allow. I don't think uh, that magic of being able to do such a different variety of things that as you do, or as any one of us does, would be possible. And I think that is one of the reasons we come here or we stay here and we are in London. Thinking forward, when you retire, Shri, would you want, would you ever consider retiring and especially with Dheeraj in your life and, you know, having a strong Indian connection, would you ever consider retiring or moving back to India if the opportunity arose to work and retire in India? I would definitely consider that um, if it comes as an opportunity. Um, and if the opportunity means that I can, I or Viraj, one of us can, uh, can take something back and um, contribute in a significant way. I don't think anyone could dispute the fact that it has a great amount of potential in every possible way, what one calls a third world country, which I don't agree with um, no, because it wasn't a third world country many centuries ago. Um, it's one of the countries that has suffered from a brain drain. And, um, and if there are opportunities that allow people to consider going back, um, I would definitely be one of those people who would consider going back. And, and on that note, I think... Uh, we, we try and put ourselves in boxes that we live in the UK or we live in the US or we live in the UK. I think one thing that the pandemic and the virtual workforces made us realize is that things happen in parallel. So I, I envision a future where probably we will work, live and work in India and the UK. Why can't we live and coexist in two societies at the same time? And, and especially for people like us who are one, 1.5, I think we will never belong to one place in totality. And if we can coexist in two societies, that would probably be the best way to, to live. Do you think that's, mm. that's hypothetical? Do you think that's too much of an idealism or do you think that's practical? Um, no, I think it's definitely, it is definitely possible and it's feasible. Um, but I think for me personally, um, that's not enough. Uh, I, I think I have to physically share my time Space. between both countries or, yeah. or you know, be be in one place and be contributing in person. I doubt I'm going to have somebody else with your background on this podcast again. So any final words of uh, suggestions or inspiration to those listening to this podcast and possibly wanting to be in your shoes? Yeah, I'm 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 the one point five. I'd like to know if you come across any other one point five. <laughs> I put you in touch. <laughs> um, but I mean, I just, just like two final things. Um, everything that I've said, um, I've I've said, you know, um, from the bottom of my, of my heart. And by no means am I suggesting that I uh, I'm I'm not attached to this country. I am very much attached to the UK. I have a number of very good friends who are um, who are you know a very good part of part of my life even now um so by no means am i undermining the uk and um and just because this journey of me um 
transitioning from clinical to PhD has been a recent thing. If I had to give one piece of advice to anyone considering a similar pathway, I would probably say keep your eyes and ears open and um, and know what you want and and follow follow your passion because once you've identified it and once you know it will just lead you in the right direction. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, some pearls of wisdom from Dr. Shri Kirti Kodali. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Shri, and I think you've raised some very important points about this concept of a 1.5 generation immigrant. I think we no longer can call ourselves as being in Society A or Society B. People like you and me, I think, are simultaneously coexisting in more than one culture. And our journeys forward are going to have a story to tell, and an important one that will be. And uh, I mean, I have to say, just on that point, um, it's probably people like yourself and myself who are the true children of globalization. Because essentially, I mean, of course, as much as much as we're all connected through the through the internet, um, where we're fundamentally connected to two cultures that we thoroughly um, are part of and fully understand. Um, so yes, I could say that. I suppose that could Thank be you. And I think that's a lovely note to end on. Say. We are the true children of globalization. And I look forward to having Idlis with you in Oxford Circus in London. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Excellent. Lovely talking to you, Sri. Thanks so much for your time and absolutely all the very best for your PhD. I look forward to all your accomplishments. But thank you so much once again. Thanks, Rod. It's been a pleasure. And with that, we come to the end of our second podcast of this series. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed interviewing Sri. Do join us next time as we shift to a different part of the world, speaking to more medical immigrants who come to UK, US to try and work, live and become part of a culture that is alien to the one they grew up in. Thanks again for tuning in. Namaskar.